Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're burning down the house here on 3CR with Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show. My name is Shane, I'm here with Fiona. How are you doing today? Hey Shane, you're sounding so much better than last week. Well, I don't feel any better, but <laughs> plugging along, I guess. The perky even. The uh, perky, certainly have not been called perky in a while. Uh, today on the show, we have an interview with Laurie Robertson, who is the president of Residents of Retirement Villages Victoria. It's a member-based organisation for, obviously, retirement village residents. Uh we don't have a whole lot of time, so let's jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for joining us today, Laurie. Um, to start with, can you tell us a bit about what RRVV is and what it does? RRVV is a self-help organisation. We help our members help themselves. For example, our members bring their problems to us. And these are problems specific to living in a retired village and specifically to dealing with village operators and other residents. We, we find the law is not particularly helpful in helping us resolve problems. So we lobby the government of Victoria to change the law. And we also lobby the proprietors and operators of retirement villages for improvements in their management practices and for fairer and simpler contracts. So tell me, Laurie, how long have you been involved with the organisation and, how, and what was it that inspired you to first get involved? I don't know about inspired. Seven years I've been with our RVV. I was trying to persuade Consumer Affairs Victoria to change some of the advice given on its website. The person I was dealing with suggested that I would get further with my lobbying if I joined our RVV. So I did. And the rest that good, is history. That was good advice from <laughs> Consumer Affairs. <laughs> um, I had a lot of problem with the advice that Consumer Affairs gives, but not that particular <laughs> I was thinking it's a, a rare, rare gem from them. Um, so I guess I'm interested if you wanted to talk about your experience living in a retirement village. Often we're quite critical of retirement villages on this show, but what's what's it been like for you living there? On the whole, the move to the village has been positive. It was quite a move for us. We moved from the outer northeastern suburbs to the very outer southeastern suburbs. Uh, but there's a reason for that. Two of our daughters live within a 15-minute drive. And when one granddaughter lives just 10 minutes away, on top of that, one of my longest and best friends lives 20 minutes away. So we're in the middle of the people that matter to us quite a lot. Um, we like the suburb. Um, my wife always did like the suburb and knew the village. We like the facilities and the services for older people that the suburb offers. Um, we also like the religious social connection opportunities. 
Um, we haven't taken mm, the greatest advantage of that so far. We've been here for 11 years, but we can see us making more use of the social life of the village as we age further. In other words, we expect our, um, our world to shrink back towards the village and we'll be more reliant and more dependent upon the social connections here. Mm. How do you feel about that prospect? <laughs> One of the interesting things about living in a retirement room is it brings you face-to-face the realities of getting old. It's all laid out in front of you in our neighbours. Um, but look, all of that sounds like the uh, things external to the village are the things that are important to us. And at the moment they are, but I don't see it staying that way. Right. Um, to be blunt, we have a mixed relationship with our operator. Sometimes we're getting on get on well, or we or in certain aspects of life in the village we get on well. Uh, in others we don't. But when to sum it all up, we're happy. We uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't go back. We wouldn't leave. We made the right decision. So the thing, the specific thing that we wanted to talk to you today about was the law that you mentioned earlier, the, the Retirement Villages Act, um, which the government's been reviewing for quite a number of years now. Um, would you be able to tell our listeners a little bit about where things are at right now and what your members are generally feeling about the Act and whether or not they whether or not it protects their rights? Well, to put it bluntly, we think the current Act is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> we think it's biased. We think it was written by operators or at least written and uh, as a result of very heavy lobbying by operators, all of it, whatever it is, 36 years ago. Um, our biggest criticism is that it allows operators, or gives operators a, almost a free hand about the contracts that they write and issue. Um, and, you know, that's, that's one of our biggest the obstacles is the contracts under which we live. We think they are unfair, draconian even. Um, I made the comment earlier about you know, the law doesn't help us resolve problems. We mm. like to go and find a, you know, an authority to help us solve a problem. The Act doesn't do it. And what's more, it's internally inconsistent. It's been amended uh, over and over again and the amendments are inconsistent with uh, other parts of the Act. Mm. So it's very, very hard to interpret the Act. It is wide open to interpretation. Um, yeah, basically, I, we don't like it at all. Yeah, <laughs> that was an excellent summary. I know what the this episode is going to be called. The current Act is a dog, uh, for sure. <laughs> the, uh, so the. Okay, so the government's recently released uh, a draft of their proposed amendments to the Act. Uh, there was a strikingly brief consultation period uh, before they went into caretaker mode ahead of the election and wouldn't hear any more feedback. What's your general impression? We'll talk more about specifics in a minute, but your general impression of the proposed changes? Look, I'm mildly positive about the draft that we have. Um, I'm more concerned with what is not in it and what it does not achieve, and what is in it, and what it does. Mm. And I think if I could summarise that, I think it needs a hell of a lot more work. 
Well, as as the person at HAG responsible for that work, I hate to hear it, but (laughs) can you tell us a bit more about like when you say what it leaves out, like what does it leave out? Well, first of all, it's not as reforming an act as I would have hoped it to be, but it's certainly better than the one we have. Mm. The the government claims it's a principles-based act. We think the principles are vague, but we see possibilities in the concept. We don't see possibilities in the current principles as they are laid out, but we can see how, if we could work together with the government on developing new principles and then they could align the act with those principles, we might be getting somewhere really good. Um, So, in other words, we would like to, in whatever consultation period that the new government might offer us, to, um, to work on strengthening the principles and aligning the act with a set of principles that we think are effective. Well, we're disappointed that the changes do not simplify life or perspective ongoing and departing residents. Mm. And why I say that is, is from people like myself living in a retirement village, complexities is one of our biggest enemies. We just don't deal very well with the complexities of the the contracts that we have and then when we try to get uh, help with the contracts by turning to the Act, we don't get any you know, greater help from the Act itself. So we're hoping that the Act would make, as take as one of its principles, simplify everything. Mm. They haven't. If anything, they've gone the other way in some parts of the Act. Um, they've added a lot of detail, and the detail is um, I mean, it's not easy to follow. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, I was. Uh, yes. I was just gonna ask you something about that, Laurie. So it seems, judging from what you said, the reason that you moved into the village was the location, the facilities, the possibility of social connection, um, and that overall, you and a lot of residents enjoy that style of um, living. But why? How realistic is it to expect residents to actually have to read legislation in order to? understand their rights and to resolve these sorts of issues. It seems to me that most people, let alone people who are living in retirement villages, shouldn't have to read the law to be able to understand how it affects them. Um, You are spot on, and I think it's very telling. Now, I haven't done rigorous research on this, but I have a hunch that the Retirement Villages Act is one of the most downloaded acts in Victoria. That in itself speaks very, very loudly about some of the things that are wrong. Mm. Why do we have to turn to the law? Most of us have lived our lives with, apart from worrying a bit about a couple of you know, parking fines and a speeding ticket, uh, you know, not, the law hasn't worried us at all. So why is it when we come into retirement villages that we start reading the Act, um, writing letters to ministers, etc.? Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think that simple fact that you've highlighted, Fiona, illustrates some of the problems that we are trying to resolve with the new Act or with the Reformed Act. So you talked about some of the things the new Act doesn't have. Is there anything specific that is in the new Act or the proposed amendments that uh, residents and other Victorians should know about? Look, I think people probably don't think about this, but I think they, they should. We appreciate that the protections against arbitrary eviction in the new Act take us a long way past where the current Act is. The current Act leaves the decision largely at 
the whim of the operator. So the protections we have in the new Act against arbitrary eviction, we think, are quite a positive. Uh, we, are, we are pleased, I think, with the um, dispute resolution system. I know you'll come on to that later. But there are, there are other things that we are perhaps not so pleased with. For example, there are, there's nothing in the Act about residents who are facing the remodelling of their villages. The history of the sector is that they did a hell of a lot of building following the release of the first Retirement Villages Act. The commercial operators moved into the sector. Those villages are looking tired and run down at the moment. Operators want to remodel them, and quite often the residents living in the village want their villages remodelled. But, of course, the people who are living in the villages have aged along with their villages and they need protections against some of the things that could... some of the downsides to the remodelling of a village they could encounter. So we're disappointed that the government hasn't picked up that. Um, one of the things that troubles us in our life in the retirement villages, what is our proper relationship with our owners and operators? Are we mere tenants? Um, you know, we've got this great big landlord, the all-powerful landlord, and are we tenants? And is that the lot we should accept for ourselves? Most of us don't. We would like the Act to recognise us for the part that we play in our villages. For example, under most of the contracts, residents loan their operators or their owners, more likely, their proprietors, a lot of money. Example in my village, we worked out that we have loaned the operator $70 million. Does our operator treat us like a syndicate of investors who have loaned them $70 million? <laughs> no way. Um, but even... Are we customers? Um, is the most important thing the fact that we, we lease a piece of property? Or is the most important thing the life that we enjoy, we live and enjoy in our villages? Should they not be thinking of us more as customers? Should they not be thinking of their responsibilities to us as providing customer service? Um, why do they want to control us as though we were tenants? We don't want to be controlled. We want to be served. Uh, we want to be supported. Uh, and we want to be free to um, do the things we choose to do around the village. So we would like to see the Act redefine the ideal relationship between residents and owners and operators, proprietors and operators. Um, that's, by the way, a concept that really frightens proprietors and operators. Mm. But somehow or other that we should be on an equal footing with them. Yeah. So that brings us to dispute resolution, I think, um, because a lot of the a lot of these things result in disputes between residents and proprietors or managers of the villages. Um, yeah. And at the moment, you have to go to VCAT to try and enforce 
what little rights there are outlined in the Act. So the new position paper that, or the exposure draft that the government's released is proposing to introduce a new form of dispute resolution called the Chief Dispute Resolution Officer. Would you be able to explain a little bit about how you think this may work and whether or not your members and RRVV think this is a good approach? Can I start by actually highlighting, I know you asked me what was wrong with the Act before, but mm. this is one of the areas where I think we can be very, quite precise. I think the system, the current system has four huge problems. Uh, incompetent adjudicators and mediators. On top of incompetence, they are not independent. They owe their living to the employer, the operator and the proprietor. In other words, they are our village managers or our village managers' bosses. Mm. We do not have the right to natural justice and we don't get it. And as you've highlighted, Fiona, it's almost impossible for us to get a binding resolution in our favour. To go through the process of uh, you know, mounting a case before VCAT is daunting and a, a turn-off for most people. There are hardy souls who do it, but very, you know, proportionally very low. So what do I like about the new system? It addresses all four of those problems. And it addresses them head-on. Uh, so that's the good news. It does address the major problem of the current system. Unfortunately, I don't think it's fine-tuned to the needs of older people. I have a hunch that it is an off-the-shelf system. I think it was borrowed from another part of government. It's clear to me that it is not fine-tuned to the needs of older people. Nevertheless, if we have a problem, we will be able to make applications, as you said, to the Chief Resolution Officer. There is a quite detailed process laid down about how our, how the, the Office of the Chief Dispute Resolution Officer will handle it. And if necessary, um, the Chief Dispute Resolution Officer has the power to make a binding order mm. uh, about our problem. So, look... At that level, it looks good. The problem I have with it, as I said, it's not fine-tuned to the needs of older people. Um, for example, it seems to say that the conciliation stage is compulsory. That is, if I understand conciliation correctly, it means uh, having to meet either in a virtual room or in a hearing room with the party that we have been in dispute with for quite a long time, things don't get to this stage without having gone through a lot of, you know, angst beforehand. I suspect a lot of our people, a lot of our members will pull out rather than go into conciliation with somebody that they have been in dispute with for such a long time. So that's a problem. I think it's a relatively easily solved problem, but it's, it is a problem. Um... There are other aspects where I don't think it's fine-tuned to the needs of older people, for example. Just back on that compulsory conciliation again. There's a whole lot of problems that we think will be delivered to the Chief Dispute Resolution Officer's door that uh, all they require is an answer. Somebody might say, my operator insisted that we vote this way at the last annual meeting. Um, is that right or wrong? You know, things like that, you can just come back with an answer. So we think that it is more 
rigid in its approach than is necessary. We think, as older people, we need a much more flexible approach where the way that the, the matter is dealt with is determined by the matter itself rather than, you know, a flowchart uh, in a government paper. Mm. I, I gotta, um, I gotta say, Hag's uh, submission on the chief dispute resolution officer was a lot more scathing and critical than it sounds like RRVV's uh, position is. But well, I, I, the, biggest, the biggest problem is we wanted an ombudsman because we an ombudsman is a much more known quality. The, I mean, the, and, the, and the government doesn't propose to give us an ombudsman, at least at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the basic quality that an ombudsman has that the Chief Dispute Resolution Officer model doesn't is that the ombudsman is like uh, consumer-facing, that the consumer goes to the ombudsman to resolve disputes. You don't have, you know, the, the Telstra doesn't go to the telecommunications ombudsman to try and chase you for your bill or something. But in this model, both residents and operators are... are ostensibly equal before the CDRO and can make the same sorts of applications. So I think it doesn't go far enough in sort of redressing the power imbalance that we've talked about before between uh, operators and residents. But sorry, I, I don't mean to edit- I don't mean to either get into an argument with you or editorialize. I just, uh, having put some, some time into the submission recently, I had to make that point. And I'm very comfortable with you making that point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think the point about these things is the uh, I, I think a diversity of opinion, provided it is coming from consumer advocates, is okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I think if they are intelligent, that they can make something out of some of the diversity, you know, the differences of opinions that we have. The differences of opinions are often the result of different experiences. Sure. And brother, have the residents of retirement groups have got a diverse range of experiences. So we have the same. We have the same thing with our members. We talk to our members and say, "We think the consensus is this," and then we have quite a group that will point up and say, "But that's just not our experience." Yeah. And that's the difficulty. But uh, um, I think we still push on, looking for reform. Speaking of RRVV and the members, how you have? How many members do you have across Victoria? That's six thousand. Yeah, so you really um, have very much diverse membership across lots of different villages. If, yes, there, if there's listeners that are interested in finding out how to join your organisation or wanting to get involved in this, how do they, how do they go about um, contacting you? We have a website. It's au. You can learn a bit about us from our website. You can actually sign up on the spot with a credit card. Um, you can contact us by email. That's office at au, and we can send you out some literature if that's the way that works best for you. Um, you can contact, if you're already living in a village, you can contact our representative in your village. We have representatives in about 200 villages. So we don't have all representatives in all of the villages, but we have representatives in about 200 villages. But look, most particularly, I think your audience might be for people who are not yet living in retirement villages, and we would love to hear from you. If you want to ask us questions about the process of entering a retirement village, the sorts of questions that you should ask the salesperson, the traps to avoid, yes, we're here to help you. Yeah, that's great. And it'll cost you the princely sum of $20 a year for the privilege. (laughs) 
And we can put up links to the, the website and so forth in the show notes on the 3CR website for anyone who needs them. That would be absolutely wonderful. That's about all we have time for, Laurie. Is there any last words you'd like our listeners to hear before we, before we sign off? Oh, yes. I want all of those people out there who are thinking of uh, entering a retirement religious to join RRTV. <laughs> Good <laughs> answer. <laughs> and HAG. And, and HAG as well. And HAG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks so much for your time, Laurie. And we might get you back on at um, another point to talk about the next stage of the RRVV. Um, I'm sorry, the Retirement Villages Act reform after the election. Yes, I wish it was the RRVV. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One day. No, thanks. actually, look, to be, to be true, our objective is to put ourselves out of business. In other yeah. words, when we look at the fact that what we are doing, we're saying, Why? Not because there isn't anything out there to do, but why do the why are the problems that we face? Why do they still exist? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if we can get the act right, we maybe have a lot less work to do. Sounds nice. Sounds like a plan. Well, thanks so much for your time, Laurie, and we'll speak again soon. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Commons Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3CR.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Uh, you're still listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show on 3CR, 8.55am with Shane and Fiona. Uh, we are almost out of time, so just want to give you some contact information. Uh, if you want to get in touch with HAG, uh, because you'd like to get involved in the organisation or find out more about the Review of the Retirement Villages Act, for example, or our other political projects, give us a call on 9654-7389. That's 9654-7389. Uh, if you're an older Victorian, over 50, got a housing problem, want to talk to someone about your housing future, you can give us a call on 1300-765-178. That's 1300-765-178. 178. Find out more, oldertenants.org.au. Check us out on Twitter or Facebook if those social media sites still exist by the time this goes to air tomorrow. Uh, and Fiona, we're all, we're, it's time for you to tell us what song we're going to finish with. Before I do, oh. sorry, forgot one thing I needed to say. 
Our AGM's on the 18th of November at 11 o'clock, which is Friday week at Ross House, 247 Flinders Lane in the city and also via the internet if you prefer. We're having a hybrid meeting again. So please do join us if you're interested in hearing about what we've been doing for the year. We're also going to be um, talking a little bit about uh, the 100th year anniversary of Molly Hadfield's birth which is this year. So um, we'll be playing a little video and having sharing some memories. So come along to that if you're so inclined. Um, and yeah, that's about all we have time for. So I'm now going to play a song by uh, Massive Attack called Unfinished Sympathy. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. One, two, three. 